0: I'm a time lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey, in the constellation of Casturberus. I hope he are a bit less conspicuous this giant. You might be a doctor, but I am a
1: doctor. I'm a doctor. but mm. probably not the one you expect.
0: Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? of course. I am.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Big On Inside, watch the watchdog podcast. Um, i oh, sorry, you might
0: want to retake. I, I knocked my mic. You might want to redo that. We'll be
1: fine. We'll carry on. I ain't starting again. Are you interrupt me one more time? You're getting fully replaced by Harrison. Do you know that? All right. Oh, I'm sorry. To... All right. Okay. It's fine. We'll soldier on. The listeners understand that I am Tim Saxby, host of Big On the Inside, a New Who dot. Who Watch on podcast. And with me is my current co host, Harry Murdoch. Hello, Harry.
0: Current. Current for now. Current.
1: It could change. <laughs> Fingers crossed.
0: Um anyway,
1: hi Harry. How 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 are you? How do you do? Do you do um, good?
0: Um I do I do all right. Yeah, I do pretty all right. Are you feeling scrum diddly umptious? Scrumgey the Empress, like,
1: yeah. like, like the Wonka bar? Um, let me clear up something I said last week. Um, I said something that I know upset a lot of people because I got the plot of my postman, the Harry Styles upcoming film. Did can you just say you... postman? My, 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 for goodness sake. <laughs> I got the plot of my policeman... Confused with the plot of Last Night in Soho, the Edgar, Edgar Wright horror thriller film that um, has a trailer coming out today. So we'll talk about the trailer next week because it stars Matt Smith. But yeah, just uh, people that
0: have to keep. Honestly, now you've said it, I kind of uh, I want to see a film of Harry Stars as a postman a lot more than a policeman.
1: <laughs> What's he doing? What's he doing as a postman? Is he got, is he like a postman you know, we, Just like. Uh,
0: it, in- yeah, yeah, basically, basically live action Postman Pat. I don't know if he has a cat, <laughs> cat or not, but <laughs> just threat. him, you know, sauntering around a British village delivering parcels.
1: Does he sing the theme tune?
0: Sing the theme tune?
1: That was my Little Britain Dennis <laughs> Waterman impression.
0: I, God, that's like the one, one of the few skits from Little Britain that hasn't aged horribly. <laughs>
1: That's true. It's true. Uh, I could be so good for you. Love me like you. Want. Oh, that's a different song. What song? What's the song? What's the theme tune to Minder? How does that go?
0: I, I honestly, I had no idea who Dennis Waterman was when L- Little Britain was a thing. Yeah, I still don't have any idea who Louis Dennis Waterman is.
1: Talking of things, I, Harry just, it was know the who tiny guy.
0: Are. He writes the theme tune. In. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. I watched um, Rare Beast*, directed by Billy Piper. Have you heard of her, Harry?
0: I have no idea who Billy Piper is. Why are you bringing her up on the Doctor Who podcast? What's well, Billy, Billy Piper, was Piper is Doctor a former
1: who? pop star princess who went on to stardom when she appeared in a British sci-fi series, dot two from 2005 to 2006, then later, several reappearances. Um, and she went on to several other projects. Stop me once you're up to speed. Um with Secret Diary of a Coal Girl, and she was once married to Lawrence Fox, but she's not married to Lawrence Fox now, but she does have some children, and now she's married to another man, and she's just released a film that she was a director of called Rare Beasts.
0: I I don't know what any of what you had to say just now has to do with Doctor Who. uh, This is completely irrelevant. Like, Billy Piper, like, what's that got to do with Doctor Who? To you, bro what's i got to do with Doctor who? i don't get it i don't see the connection so what so she was in some sci-fi show called dr who 2005 through to uh 2010 like what's that got to do with dr who
1: anyway i watched her directorial debut of rare beasts and i thought i would just mention it as a little recommendation to anybody out there it's possibly not the greatest film but she is a very talented director and the way the shots are very well constructed is definitely worth a shot. Sorry to go off course there, Harry. Would you like me to go on to actual news surrounding Doctor Who?
0: Well, just something vaguely related to Doctor Who. Like, I don't know, don't talk about some random actor who's not got anything to do with Doctor Who. Like, Alex
1: Kingston. <laughs> is that better for you? Who if we talk heck, about who, Alex who Kingston?
0: The is, who, 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 the, who the heck is Alex Kingston, bro? Oh,
1: we're not doing this. We're not doing this for the full podcast. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, that. One. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alex Kingston, uh, there was a video published on YouTube this week. Alex Kingston reacts to River most iconic Doctor Who moment. It's a good twenty minutes long. So if people want to go and watch that, I'd highly recommend kill a good uh, kill a good uh, afternoon watching that and going back and reading all all the fun comments. Um, How but... long
0: is your afternoon if it's just twenty minutes? Like, that's yeah, that's kill,
1: bro. That kills quite a lot of time. If you're gonna have a nap in there, you have got to cook your lunch, do a bit of work. Got half an hour. You want to kill some time. Anyway, she talks about... Yeah,
0: that's the that's whole afternoon. <laughs> yeah, she, talks she gave about... the impression that watching this 20-minute video would take up your whole afternoon.
1: <laughs> she talks about the diary of River Song, the actual diary, the blue book that she was given when she first appeared in the series, alongside David Tennant in series four, in Silence of the Library. And she talks about how when she was given a prop, she was just flicking through, and there was little stories wrote into the book about what would actually become of River Song, and at the time she didn't know what any of this stuff meant. It was just setting words and doodles and all that stuff. But these like little things that the prop people had wrote in were told to be written by Moffat, who then uh, you know built onto that through his tenure as showrunner. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on these little key details that make Doctor Who so um, immersive and escapist. I
0: think that with a character who where their stories told non chronologically over several years such as what we had with river song i can imagine that having that diary prop with all these little stories and entries throughout river song's life must have been an absolute godsend for it like I, i imagine like as an actor just to have that wealth of information and access to that to help with the characterization, that must have been invaluable. So I think it's very cool that kind of the production team, Moffat, and whoever else was involved put that together for her to use.
1: Yeah. Because she's got her new book, um, A Ruby's Curse, which is about the character of Melody Malone, the detective that she, Riversong, you know, sort of takes upon, sort of takes that character upon herself. And it's sort of her trying to track down this ruby that seems to be killing people, but also could hold the uh, secret to where Cleopatra is actually buried. So I think we, we seem to be getting a lot of books recently about Doctor Who that is actually being written from somebody involved in the show. We had Tom Baker do one, Sophie Aldrich did one, and now Alex Kingston as well.
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. You know, it's, a like, guess, for all these kind of actors who are wanting to kind of jump into other creative areas as so many actors often do it's a great kind of entry point having that this link with Doctor Who, I mean I'm saying this um, as if this is the first thing Alex Kingston has written, for all I know she's done other pieces of writing before this book um, yeah. I couldn't honestly say, but she's best known for acting and her acting work and perhaps this, even if she has written stuff before, could be a good entry point from for fans of her acting and fans of her work in Doctor Who to get into to that side of her creatively.
1: Are you a book fan? Do you read many books, Harry?
0: Um, I read a lot of books in the summer. Um, yeah. Is that right why kind
1: of... Why is that? Why in the summer?
0: Well, during like the year. Too dark
1: in the winter. Can't see the pages.
0: Uh, that that is a big factor. That is a big factor. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to give a serious answer, but we'll just go with that because it's more funny.
1: Fair enough. Um, do you want some actual Doctor Who news, though? Some proper Doctor Who news that we can probably make a video about?
0: Uh, all right, if you have
1: it. Okay, well, speaking to uh, Digital Spy, Doctor Who director, oh, here we go, i got to butcher a name, Lydia Manzor was nervous. She talks about how nervous she was directing that iconic Joe Martin episode, Fugitive of the Jadoon. She says, you know, Chris Chibnall's a very generous showrunner. You heard it here first, folks. I was able to discuss with him the costume. What do we do with her? The aesthetic. What does her TARDIS look like? We had different lighting options. What about her skin tone? The costume. We were really trying to think colourful about how we could really make make her just so badass. Is she badass? Does she look cool? What is she wearing? Brackets laughs. These are all the just important. These, these things just felt so important. I felt really lucky with that, actually, because it has so many shifts of both those doctors. One of my favourite things as a director is performance, working with the actors and finding the truth, finding the vulnerability and all the shades. They're both so generous to work with. I was honestly such a great experience for me. It was the biggest thing I'd done so far. So coming onto it, I felt nervous, like, like, oh, I'm really kind of stepping into big... The Big League, this is a machine. They have the, they have their kind of ongoing crew, but the crew are so awesome and they really made me feel welcome. So there you go. There's a little thing about what it's like being a director of Doctor Who.
0: It's a very cool thing to hear about because um, it's weird how in TV, very often you don't hear the directors talked about that much. You hear about, obviously... You know, TV actors and TV writers and kind of write showrunners of TV shows. They hear about a lot, but you never hear much about the directors, the people who are kind of the ones coordinating the whole production of episodes and getting them on the screens.
1: Yeah, it's strange because when it comes to movies, it usually is a film by such and such. When you watch a TV series, it's usually like written like it's a sin. It's like Russell T. Davis's brand new series or Neil, written by Neil Gaiman or Stephen Moffat and. You know, these big television writers' names. So it's strange when we get. It shouldn't be. And I don't know why I've never really clocked it as somebody who has a passion to possibly direct, why TV directing is sort of seen sort of differently.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm thinking right now of kind of like when it comes to like the big kind of. you know If you think like big blockbuster movies, like even those, kind of the identity that we associate as the creative head of those is often the director i mean maybe it's because in hollywood you very often get kind of especially when it is a notable creative voice at the helm it's often a writer director like if you think of like Star Wars and marvel movies a lot of those have directors who also write them be it the russo's james gunn jj abrams ryan johnson etc yeah so maybe that's why i'm not sure
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel like directors in movies have a more hands-on approach with the actual construction of the story. Whereas I feel with Doctor Who, it's usually, let's get the writers, we've got to make the story good, and then we'll make it look good, rather than the other way around. Which seems to be, Mm, to be honest, a better option. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Series 13 news, Harry, we've been light on it, so would you like some?
0: Uh, Yeah, if you have some, I'd love to hear. Okay,
1: so this is all wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff, but uh, we'll um, we'll we'll soldier through. So, somebody has um, done a did a tweet saying that they had bumped into Sasha Dewar, who uh, played the Master in the last series of Doctor Who, series twelve. Yes, of Doctor Who. Um, alongside Judge with 13th Dotzer, And obviously, there was the whole thing of the timeless child, which, uh, love it or not, it happened. Um, but Sasha has been spotted in the last couple of days back in Cardiff, which is where they're currently filming Dot 2 because John Bishop recently posted a little video of himself sat behind the TARDIS saying, uh, if I can link it, I will. I'm not sure if like you can with Instagram videos, but I'll put a few screenshots up. Basically, saying he's in the TARDIS, and you can see the the what are the new round things on the wall, right? So mm-hmm. that there's that that we know they're filming in Cardiff, and it's Sasha's there, so it's kind of self-explanatory. But the other thing is, is that John Bishop also will be leaving the production of Doctor Who before the series actually wraps, because he has his tour coming up. And he's also scheduled to perform on like a round the UK cruise sort of thing. as like a special celebrity stand-up guest. Okay. Um, but both of these things, his tour and the cruise, run into when we were told that Doctor Who would be going on to. I think his tour starts in September. And I think the cruise is even before that. So they either are going to have to cram all uh, John Bishop's stuff in early, and then... I don't know, but um, one theory that's going around is that um, it's called Dan, isn't he? That's John Bishop's character's name, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Danny, yeah.
1: So he's playing the character of Dan, and that's all we know. And It's usually these like shorter names that often catch people's eyes because we don't know anything about it. He's got Dan, and he's from Liverpool. But current um, rumours going around the internet is that Dan could, in fact, be a version of the Master, and that is why Sasha has currently been spotted in Cardiff, as it's some. Yeah, you know, it would link up well with John Bishop having to step away from Dot Two to focus on his own stand-up stuff, um, and also feeds into a, a rumor that I spoke about in my own video not that long ago about the master actually being in the Timeless Child as well. We've also seen set photos of John Bishop in period costumes, featuring not only different costumes but different facial hair. He has big fluffy mustaches and all this stuff going on. Um, so it seems like the character of Dan, even no matter what happens to him, is going to be going through this development stage.
0: So, there uh, if if we go along with because I'm must I'm dubious about the whole Dan is the master thing. Yeah, but if we go along with this, yeah, um, and Sasha Duan, Sasha um has been seen on a set well we're not on set in cardiff which is very pretty much confirmation that it's going to be in this new series yeah. um which us, i'm very excited for because i love his work as the master it's a question of if they're both going to be there um is it going to be something akin to world enough and time in series 10 where it's two masters teaming up like a new master and a even more new master? Or is it going to be a thing where either Darwin's master or Bishop's Danny master gets killed and then they regenerate into the other one? Because obviously with masters, we don't know the order they come in. And very often we meet the masters kind of out of order almost. There's no ambiguity. So it could always be a thing that maybe... Dan, Danny, Daniel, whatever you want to call him, is <laughs> hanging around on the TARDIS, and then, oopsie-doopsie, he does a die, and then he goes glowy face and turns into Sasha.
1: Well, one thing that I was reading was that John Bishop is Sasha in disguise. So it's almost like... A, a, when I say disguise, I don't mean like prosthetics. I mean like some sci-fi excuse for him looking like, John Bishop! I like the idea that the master's gone, John the comedian John Bishop, is a very trusted member of society. I shall disguise myself as him. This <laughs> the whole series is John Bishop in the times. The person John Bishop is not actually playing a character called Dan. Well that'd be that'd be very strange
0: because like it, it haven't quite been the Russell area that kind of you'd have Actual celebrities appearing as themselves. Like, they got Ford, to the yeah. Moffat era. I don't think that, does, that doesn't happen anymore. And I don't know if that's because Moffat was going for a more, people often like to brand it as a more fairy tale esque thing. So maybe he felt that like actual references to real life celebrities wouldn't fit. Yeah. I think we yeah, kind need to bring that, that back. That happened, yeah.
1: There was, yeah. There was no yeah. celebrity cameos of them playing themselves, was there, in the Matt Smith era?
0: No. Nor was there any in the Capaldi era, if I'm remembering correctly
1: i can't know i can't remember but yeah I, I read that theory and i thought oh it sounds interesting and it sounds different and it i wouldn't put it past it being something that would happen but the probability of it happening is quite low so then that form makes me think that it could actually happen
0: at the same time the master is always such an out of left field kind of chaotic energy and presence in the show so really i feel like the more you can push what you do with him, I think, the better. It kind yeah. of plays into his strengths to kind of do wild card things like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so we'll move on from that because I want to talk to you about some ninth Doctor news because Christopher Eckerson has been, unfortunately for him probably, having to speak about Doctor Who to no end um, of escape the last couple of weeks. And if you bought the Big Finish audio version, you will have noticed that there was a bonus track at the end, which is bonus material, interviews with cast and crew, and that kind of stuff. And in that, he spoke about how he sort of became familiar with Doctor Who as a kid and how he loved it because it was black and white and looked creepy. And during this interview, he spoke about how he wished that when he was the Doctor, they had done an episode in black and white, because he thinks that would have really have caught the the scariness of that original series. Uh, original original series even if we're going back to Troughton and Hartnell um what do you think about that I feel that would be a really fun idea
0: that is actually a really cool idea because part of the thing is when you look at kind of Doctor Who in like the 60s and then also compare it to Doctor Who in the 70s kind of per tree where it's first went into colour in a lot of ways the 60s stuff visually has aged a lot better than the 70s stuff yeah i think part of it is because it's in black and white and when it comes to black and white there's much much more room to kind of disguise those imperfections and there's also kind of more kind of ambiguities to what you're seeing i feel like that can really feed into kind of like the mystery and the kind of almost the pseudo horror elements of doctor who Mm. so i feel like yeah it's kind of surprising now i think about it the show hasn't really played up to its roots and done something black and white the closest thing i can think of is kind of the black and white tvs in the Idiot's lantern or something like that i can't yeah think. they've never done a full-on black and white version that's weird and it would have worked really well fun to, to do
1: doctor as well that would have been a really good doctor to do it with i can't really see it working with Tennant or smith possibly with capaldi but not with whittaker
0: hmm yeah that's interesting that's interesting yeah if you had to pick an episode of Echo
1: to turn black and white, to sort of do that sort of style with, what 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 are you thinking? I've got my two options, but I want to know what yours are. I'm
0: trying to think. Um, I feel like I want something that feels close to classic Who. Um, maybe because so much of the story comprises kind of like a spaceship and kind of an in- industrial corridors and such. Maybe something like The Long Game in Black and White, that would have added an interesting flavour to that.
1: Yeah, perhaps, yeah.
0: I'm not sure. Or I maybe... I um,
1: uh, The Unquiet Dead or Dalek.
0: Okay. I have another thought. It would also require rewriting, but what if bad wolf was reworked so instead of it being a satire of kind of well at the time of modern shows of the time like big brother and um weakest link what if it was done with like a retro 60s aesthetic and then kind of like loads of scenes of it maybe not the whole thing but lots of scenes we saw through these kind of 60s style tv monitors
1: yeah that would be cool yeah that would be good yeah that would be fun I think there's a lot of stuff that, in hindsight, you could have really played with if you knew how successful the series was going to be. But I guess at the same time, you don't want to do that first series and really go left wing, sort of... When I say left wing, I I mean, like, really off-kilter, do something nobody was expecting, go the other side and really, sort of, handbrake turn it.
0: Yeah. I guess, like, what I wanted to keep things... They didn't want to lean too much into the legacy of the show at that point. It was only with the subsequent series that they started to, you know, do stuff like bring back Sarah Jane and K-9 and really kind of acknowledge the legacy of the show once they kind of had the foundation of, okay, people are into Doctor Who again.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, Sticking with the Knife Doctor, um, Harry, I'm guessing as a big sci-fi fan that you were watching the National Space Centre's YouTube channel all week, and keeping up with the British um, Comic-Con that they had going on.
0: Yes, I, I watch it every day of the week. I am subscribed. I definitely just didn't watch uh, the video that you sent to me before this podcast. Well, <laughs> um, I
1: will ask, Harry, did you watch How to Create Sci-Fi Audio with Big Finish?
0: Well, well, you know, um, it just so happened that I, I it came up in my YouTube recommendations. I wasn't sent a link by you at all. Um <laughs>
1: Um, Because in that, it seems to have somewhat gone under the radar, but they released a short snippet of Christopher Eccleston's second volume box set for Big Finish. Um, Girl Destruction, I believe this episode's called. But anyway, they released a short clip. Um, I'll play it now.
0: This is Mr McDonald, Marnie's dad Dad? I was just wondering if she was with you Only she didn't come home last night And it's not like her. Dad, I'm right behind you Or, Or am I right in front of you? I don't know where I am Have you got any idea where she might be? Um, everywhere If you hear from her Dad! Can you tell her she's not in any trouble? Dad, why can't you hear me? But to please come home. I am home, except. Well, I feel strange. Okay. Everything is fractured, or I'm fractured.
1: Uh, thank you. Goodbye. Hello. Police, please.
0: Why can't you see me?
1: I want to report my daughter missing.
0: I'm not missing.
1: Marnie McDonald. She's 15. She didn't come home last night.
0: House.
1: I think she might have run away.
0: I haven't. Dad, I'm here. I'm I'm right here, Dad. Please, help me. Somebody, please, help me. All right, don't get your knickers in a twist. I heard
1: you the first time. Honestly, nag, 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 nag. Migration of the Seraphim Fantastic Hang on, that's not right What are you doing there? Talk about the long way around You'd be quicker on a pogo stick Unless this thing's stuck again Somebody please Help me Hello, who are you? There was the clip Maybe I put it in, maybe I didn't uh, but Harry, what did you think of that like short clip? I feel it's more what I would quite like. I wasn't disappointed by the first box set, but I'm really looking forward to this one. It sounds very intriguing.
0: Yeah, the first box set was something that was very kind of big, sci-fi, futuristic in space. This seems something almost kind of reminds me sort of of, not, not Moffat stuff, but kind of the Russell era's more domestic stories yeah of kind of well I guess in, in a sense of just kind of like the familiar becoming suddenly unfamiliar and totally different yeah and doing something much smaller scale and it sounds much like a much more intimate thing as well, which perhaps for big finish and audio format could be potentially easier to get into. I'm not sure yeah. it sounds very promising.
1: Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed those that first box set with by Nicholas Briggs, but I like it when it takes something that we know and really does like a pure imagination thing on it, where it sort of makes something so ordinary extraordinary, extraordinary, and makes us sort of makes things creepy, like when they've done like old people are scary and statues and things like that.
0: I think this is especially effective, the idea of a girl turning into just a bunch of particles that are everywhere. You can imagine how, if that was something that was filmed, it would be very difficult to find a way to kind of visually represent that. However, yeah. through audio, it entirely leaves it to the imagination and we're just left with the girl's voice and how she's perceiving things. And yeah, because you that's, can't see I it plays... So yeah.
1: Become one of the characters within the story, almost, because you can yeah. only you sort of have a better understanding because you can hear it, but you can't see it. So you sort of get that, it leans so well to audio.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely leaning into the strengths of an audio drama and kind of, in a way, achieving things that would not be achievable in a televisual format. Yeah. Which I think is really cool to see.
1: Yeah, I really, I want that now. But something I know Harry doesn't want now is uh, we've done our Doctor Who news and we've got our watch long coming up in a minute. But I want to talk about timothy chalamet or tim toffee Chocolat, as i'm now gonna call him um being wonker in the prequel film to willie wonka and the chocolate factory uh you
0: fab um i uh, have to be honest i've not seen any performances by chalamet no i haven't either um I can't help but feel that because I, I, but I all I kind of know about this casting is that kind of his name was alongside other kind of young British actor Tom Holland, and I don't want to call it kind of, I don't want to call it for lack of the uh chocolate pun like a flavour of the time casting, but I, it doesn't feel like casting that's being done because they believe this person is the best fit for Wonka. Yeah, it feels like it's being done because like this is one of like the hot young actors in Hollywood right now. Yeah, I, mean, I have to admit, I'm, I'm ju- I was dubious about the whole young Wonka film just on a conceptual level. I don't know how much storytelling potential there is in that. I mean, you've seen the, the Tim Burton film, right, with all the yeah. flashbacks. Like, do we need an extended version of that? I'm not Still sure
1: terrific Chalamet is set to take on the role of Willy Wonka in a new Origins movie. According to Deadline, the Oscar-nominated style of Coming By Your Name will follow following the footsteps of Gene Wilder and Johnny Depp in an all-singing, all-dancing performance in a prequel inspired by the Roald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory books. The film will focus on the early years of Wonka before he opens his factory. Paul King, director of Paddington, will be at the helm with the screenplay from comedian Simon Farrenberg. It will mark the third time Warner Bros. has has brought the character to life, first in 1971, and then in 2005 with Tim Burton's adaptation, which made $475 million worldwide. The story was also turned into a successful musical.
0: So here's the thing about the fact that it's the Paddington team and also involved, that then throws me off kilter again because... I love the Paddington films. Yeah. One, and two. I mean, i I think you'd be hard pushed to find anyone who dislikes those films. I feel like those are almost universally beloved films. Yeah. So <clears throat> it the, the fact that they're at the helm that just like complicates me even more because obviously, like they they make quality, top quality, top of the range S tier family films, and it's a young Wonka film, and I just can't see what can be done with a young Willy Wonka film? I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see the storytelling potential within that.
1: Okay, so you don't see the storytelling potential in that, but what about this? Last year it was announced that Taika Waititi, director of Fall Ragnarok, would also be taking on two animated series for Netflix based on the world and characters of Roald Dahl's 1964 novel. The streamer has promised that the show will remain the quintessential spirit and tone of the original story, whilst building out the world and characters far beyond the pages of Dahl's book for the very first time. The 25-year-old actor, Timothy Charlemagne, was last seen in Greta Garwig's adaptation of Little Women, and his upcoming film includes Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch, and he's also going to be in June as well, which is interesting. I think I have seen him in mean, Greta Garwig's um, film, which is called... Ladybird. Bird. I saw him in that. I think he was in Ladybird.
0: Was he in Lady Bird? Oh, okay. I only yeah. saw part of Lady Bird. I feel so, like I was... I don't know. As a... I don't know if I was too old for Lady Bird when I saw Lady Bird.
1: You mean too young?
0: No, too old. Because it's about a teenager. and like Yeah, but I, I, like I only saw it last year. I loved I it. it. I don't know. I don't know. I struggled to connect with it. I'm, I feel like it was kind of like a... films about teenagers being teenagers is something I sh- struggle to identify with in the same way I used to be able to.
1: Because you're not a teenager no more are you Harry? You're a big boy, you all grown up, big no. boy pants.
0: Yeah. I mean maybe I don't know, I feel like maybe if I saw Charlemagne in a film I would not, I would like feel a little more okay I can see what they're going for because I need to, honestly I just need to watch a film with Tim- Timothy Charlemagne so I can get a vibe for why he may have been casted as Willy Wonka. Because right now, I just kind of know him as kind of like one well, of the big up and coming young actors in Hollywood. And you know, for all I know, maybe it's with very good reason. Um...
1: If anybody can think of a recommendation for Harry to watch that says Tim Toffee, Chocolat, then please do, because uh, then he has something to do. Because I've heard that you're really sort of, you've got no work, you're a powder for cash, you're begging on the streets. Things aren't going well for you at the moment, are they, Harry?
0: Yeah no 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 I'm definitely yeah. You've been doing. I, I'm definitely not doing anything right now.
1: Yeah. One man performances in the streets with cardboard signs, donations required.
0: Just give me flashbacks of this time in a year. <laughs> Harry,
1: do you want to introduce what everybody's here for the watch along segment of Bigger on the Inside, the new Doctor Who watch along podcast?
0: Yeah, God. Um, wait a minute. Uh, Tim, I'm. I've already said I'm 21. Yeah, how old are you?
1: I'm 21.
0: You're 21. Okay, cool. No, cool. Oh cool. wait, how
1: old am I? Am i 22. I don't know how old I am. <laughs> For real? Let me have a quick look of my Facebook. To work out how old I am.
0: I've forgotten. We live in a society a where kids you never these have days to, you forget. have to check their own Facebook pages to remind themselves of how old they are.
1: You must have to do this now and again, surely.
0: No, no. Every, like When I think of myself and talk about myself, which I do a lot because I'm incredibly self-absorbed, one of the first things that comes to the top of my mind when I think of myself is my age.
1: How old am I? I think I'm 22. No one asks you when you're 23. Yeah, no, I'm 22.
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, I mean, so that, but putting our ages together, that makes us, um, 40, 43. <laughs> oh. Um, I'm trying to think of a way I can, I can crack this. Um, Hey, you know, you know you know you know a word that I've been learning to say whilst at drama school properly? What? One, the number one. Because I say one like this, one, where I'm meant to be saying like this, one. That's how I meant to say number one. Why are you and, meant to um, say it like one? Wan? Like W-A-N, like Obi-Wan. That's how I'm meant to say one. I've been saying it like W O N.
1: Um, right. Yep,
0: yeah, but anyway, like talk about the number one. Um I've been practicing it. I've been practicing saying it a lot, a lot. So, for the sake of like, you know, this, um, I should. The way I should say the following sentence is: uh, forty three minus one is forty two. Hey, speaking of forty two, that was um. Bearably bad. <laughs> that was the worst one we've ever last had. That's what you said last week. You said last No, he said last week's one was the worst one. Well, this is worse than last week. He's getting worse each week. We... That, I how would avoided. you have... How you would have you would not found a, a transition for 42? Hey, it's, it's better than, you know, just making like some offhand, I don't know, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference or something. That like... would have been so much better! <laughs> No, because I'm not a big fan of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy.
1: Uh oh, hocus pocus. Oh, well, um, thank you for listening this far. If you are here, enjoy the rest of the show. If like we said, if this is your first episode, keep on going. You We're can...
0: sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, to... well also, I think well, was good a good one. One. I had fun with this one. <laughs> shut, up, shut up, shut up, shut up, pop up. detect you are not subscribed the daleks order you to subscribe resistance is futile failure to subscribe will lead to extermination seek locate subscribe what's the point in having you all
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the watch-along segment of Big on the Inside. You've just listened to us talk about the weekly news. How exciting was the news this week, Harry?
0: It was as exciting as it has been recently. (laughs) (laughs) That's my
1: favourite response that you've given to that question. Um, A little inside look into the factory. see how the sausage is made. Um, It is just coming up to 20 to 10 at night i've just come back from work and um, this is the only time of the week that we could realistically do uh our commentary on 42 um sorry uh, that's all i should say is it harry i should ask you what what's, what episode uh, drinks, take, Harry.
0: this week we are doing 42 by some guy called chris chibnall
1: now, this is his first on-screen Doctor Who story. I'm not sure if he's done uh, Virgin and Target novels beforehand. I believe he might have done, uh, in the wilderness years, have done something with Doctor Who. but
0: Although, uh, of course, uh, before this, he had written quite a bit for the first series of Torchwood.
1: Yeah, which was airing... Uh, I don't know if it was airing at the same time that this series was going out, but it links up with... Uh, the events that are to come at the end of this series. So uh he's definitely cemented his feet in the dot two world. Um what did you think of it? What did you think of 42?
0: It's interesting. It um and I know your feelings on uh what I'm about to say. Um it kind of to me felt like a simpler, shorter version of the Impossible Planet in the Satan pit. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, a question I got for you was Do you like um, episodes where they're trapped inside a spaceship, you know, where they can't get out?
0: To kind of know more than one of this sort of story per series, yeah, but for what it's worth, yeah, I feel like there's a lot you can get out of that situation, and there are certain things that this episode did. Obviously, there's a lot of similarities, you know. There's a thing on the planet or celestial thing that's controlling people mm. on the base. People are under a time limit to get off or fix the issue. Um, the tar- uh, is the TARDIS inaccessible during this story? Or is the TARDIS so, just yeah. there for the whole thing?
1: It's there, but yeah. they can't get to it. It's in that heated room, isn't it? That's, that's right, planet. that's
0: it. All right. The TARDIS is inaccessible. So there's a lot of similarities, but there's certain things that this episode does to kind of make it stand out. And of course, there's mm. some things... The whole thing with the Satan pit and Satan being on the planet and all that mystery mm. is not here like it was in Impossible Planet and Satan pit. So there yeah. are differences.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, that was definitely something that stood up for me. One thing that I noticed a lot in this episode was the characterization of the 10th Doctor. He's very sort of weak and defeatist almost. There's a lot of, I can't do it, I can't reach. And a lot of things where I've gone, why that, Why has he done that? Like, when he's like, oh, I'm just going to open this big red flaming door and he gets blown to the ground at the very start of the episode. And I was like, oh, that doesn't seem, It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he would be doing this at this point. Maybe in his first series, but you know, so far we've seen him rescue people from the moon and meet Shakespeare and rescue Martha in traffic. He's, he, there's a lot of bits in this where I'm going, oh, he seems to have just given up.
0: That's interesting. Um, I feel like later on in the episode when like the sun is inside him i actually quite like the weakness mm. there um i but kind it's of I, this one It's not something that completely registered with me what you said but no it makes sense it is a slightly different feel in the way that the characters kind of interact with each other actually reminded me kind of a lot of kind of i've not watched the all of torchwood yet at this point but very often amongst that group things can get quite um heated and Mm. arguments seem much more easy to break out um, compared to say a TARDIS team and you could see that very much within this episode kind of like there was a lot of tension between all the main players including the Doctor.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah I would say that is one big downside of this episode is that there is very little development of those characters outside of the Doctor and Martha there's, um, I cannot remember his name, but the guy who basically spends a lot of time with Martha, it looks like Noel Gallagher. Um, he's sort yeah. of slightly well-developed. But everybody else on the ship, it's like, which one are you married to again? And what's your role? Whereas with the Satan Pit, despite not really liking that episode, everybody's role on there. I think even at the start of the episode, the Doctor is introduced everyone and goes, that's Toby, he does this. This is Zachary Crossflane, he does this. This is, you know... Whereas with this, I'm like, who? What? I I I don't know why they were on that spaceship.
0: Uh, were they researching something, or were they just farming the sun for
1: fuel? Uh, honestly, I can I think that might have been it, but yeah,
0: it's one I of those things. at the end, it turns out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things where, I, where if I'm asking questions right from the start, I almost feel left behind and I disengage with the with the with the source. Almost, it's almost like if you're not going to bother to explain stuff to me just to keep me on board, then I'm not going to really sort of engage with it. Unlike other episodes like Gridlock, where they do hold information from you, but it's information you know you're going to get answers to. Whereas I felt like with this, I'm sort of going, why should I know that? Why isn't that being explained? It seems I question the writing negatively more than questioning why they're keeping information from me.
0: Okay. Okay. Um... That's interesting. That's, That's interesting. I didn't the really. Most critical
1: thing I think we've ever said.
0: <laughs> that is. That is. It's weird. I'm not used to that. We. I usually we usually keep things positive. I never know how to respond to negative like, criticism because I like to be a positive guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it,
1: it's like we. I know we. When we went to saw Tenant, I said to or Tenet, I said to you, I said, I. I, I don't like not liking things. I. Li- I want to go to the cinema and I want to watch episodes of Tenet and I really want to enjoy it. And I was looking forward to this episode because I thought that maybe I had just remembered it wrong and I didn't like it as a kid and I would really like it now like I did with um, whatever the Charles Dickens one's called. What's what's that one called in series one? The Unquiet Dead. The Unquiet Dead. Like, I wasn't looking forward to watching that. But when we watched it, it was one of my favourites of that series. And uh, I thought, oh, this could be another Unquiet Dead. But it it, it wasn't for me. Um, going back to the 10th Doctor, he has a lot of different outfit changes in this episode. And is this the first time we see him not sport in a tie?
0: Was he not wearing... I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. Is he not in a
1: tie? He's got the blue suit with, like, a oh. red shirt and then a red T-shirt on underneath that.
0: Oh, is this the first time we see the red T-shirt?
1: Yeah, you know what um, Human Doctor wears at the end of yeah. Series 4, yeah. it's yes, like the first...
0: 10-2, as he likes to be called, yeah.
1: 10-2, that's <laughs> it tend to tend to what (laughs) haha very funny um yeah i I made a note here about i would rather uh, the week of recording this is the 27th of april so uh, in during this week or last week even it was announced that zachary crossflame would be returning to big Finish stories and the character played by sean parks i want to say and it made me sort of think i would rather get to know some of these characters a bit more despite not enjoying the episode and not really engaging with it that much I did want to know more about these characters and I do feel like this maybe could have benefited from a two-part story
0: Mm, I guess that's that is kind of like the pitfall you get into when you kind of introduce this kind of story and all of them and a lot of that kind of main cast introduced gets kind of you know offed early on yeah but you don't get as much of an opportunity to kind of like introduce those characters and probably establish them without it becoming too obvious that oh they're gonna die soon, which is yeah. why we're introducing them. I in think detail.
1: Perhaps this would have been cool if they had continued the story of the Satan pit, maybe had some of the crew appear again. Then not all mm. the crew, maybe the ones who survived appear in this episode and maybe have a couple of ood slaves perhaps, you know, just to sort of bring the two across.
0: I mean I think that's the thing of watching it really just coming off guard just how similar they were. And mm. that kind of so close to each other, they have two stories which, in so many ways, share very much kind of the same sort of storytelling DNA. Yeah, um, My... even down to kind of like the aesthetic and the colours they use.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's right. That actually, um, I, I watched a bit of Confidential, and they were saying that Russell was saying that the original script that Chibnall had brought was that um, it was just them crashing into the sun, and that was it. Obviously, there was a story Is that they died. Well, I can't remember. Well no but, the, <laughs> but like the whole element of it being forty two minutes long wasn't uh, mm. that wasn't in the scripts. And it sort of makes me oh well that was I quite liked that element of it. you know, For two reasons. Is it
0: is it forty two minutes in like real time as well?
1: Well, I don't know, because there's a scene, there's a scene where the when the doctor has his laser eyes or whatever and he says I can only stand this for another ten seconds. I timed that and it it's it's forty seconds. From, from when he says it to when they cure him. So I think some of it is and some of it isn't.
0: You know what would have been cool? Um, do you remember... Did you ever see the Capaldi story, The Mummy on the Orient Express?
1: Mm. And
0: you know how in that story, whenever The Mummy appears, there's like a countdown timer appears in the corner of a screen counting down to when someone gets killed. Mm. What if in this episode, throughout the whole thing, you had a 42-minute timer... Counting down whilst you watched. That would it it be like that. It, it wouldn't be much, but it just would have added so much. Like seeing the time racking down, you're like, shit, shit. They're not, they're not fixing it yet. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I, I do feel like there is tension in there, but it's. So uh, this doesn't work on a, on a audio podcast. But I'm, I'm holding my hand up halfway. I'm holding my hand up to the to the top of the frame here for for you listeners. Mm. And I'm saying to Harry, imagine this is where the tension should be. The tension peaks here. Tim moves his hand down by an inch. It almost reaches a point of satisfaction for me, but never quite gets there. And I feel that's one reason why I want to really like this episode. And I know there is a good story within there, but it just seems to be constantly just out of grasp of being able to being able to get it.
0: Mm. It is interesting when you mentioned the tension, because for me, my fav- one of my favorite parts of the episode was probably one of the kind of bits where I felt tension the least, which was the scene when Martha and uh, Noel Gallagher get uh, disconnected from the rest of the ship. yeah, And like the Tenth Doctor and Martha just like looking at each other and like they're shouting to each other and they can't see each other. And it just goes really quiet. Mm. And like I think this sound completely cuts out as you see them just kind of slowly part away from each other. For me, that was like a really just a really cool atmospheric moment. Yeah, Yeah, I've got that. Because of how kind of much how quiet and slow it was.
1: Yeah, there's no there's nothing there apart from dialogue. I don't think there's even sound effects. There's no background music, there's no sound effects to my knowledge. It is just the voices of the actor, and it works really well because it does a really good job of putting you in that void between being in the escape capsule and being on a spaceship where you can hear both conversations. Um, it almost is, in some ways, I, I find it similar to the pattern of ways where Doctor and Rose are saying goodbye in the sense that they can see each other, but in in this case, they can see each other, but they can't hear each other in the sense of the pattern of the ways it was that one of they can hear each other, but they can't really see each other. So, but it it works really well. But I do have a number... and I'm really sorry to, like, keep kicking this episode while it's down. But I really disliked the way that they handled Martha in this episode for a lot of it. Because last week, I think we commented on how last week's episode was a real turning point for Martha in the Lazarus experiment. And she suddenly came into her own and she could handle herself. But in this episode, there's a lot of screaming and shouting and banging on windows and kicking stuff and sort of what I would class as classic companion stuff of damsel damsel in distress sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah.
0: That's kind of down to like, yeah. I'm trying to think why that is. I mean, maybe it's something to do with... Because I know that kind of in Classic Who, there were a lot of these kind of base under siege kind of uh stories. Like yeah. it mean, was a whole genre in it of itself, which there are you know, some stories like that in New Hero. And I don't know if I don't know if this can be classed as a base under siege because it's under siege from what the sun?
1: <laughs> I think I think maybe if the tension had been better executed, then that screaming and panicking aspect of Martha would have would have sit better with me because it would have been more clear. And I think that's what they were trying to do is sort of go, Well look how panicked Martha is from last week, so therefore it must be a high stakes situation. But because I don't feel that the stakes were that high, I can see that they're high, but I don't feel it. I then don't engage fully with a lot of the performances.
0: Mm, that's interesting.
1: That's this is interesting, a really yeah. um critical analytic <laughs> Yeah, you're you're giving a lot, you like, hmm, yes, he's funny isn't he? It's Peter K all or from <laughs> <bottom. laughs>
0: yeah (laughs) no it's interesting to hear this because it said this is kind of stuff which i did not kind of register for me it was pretty much just a standard doctor who episode i didn't i didn't engage with it as critically as you did which maybe as a podcast host i should maybe it's just like i the stuff that kind of gets my brain working is the more kind of good stimulating stuff yeah imagine you know Next week,
1: we're gonna. I'm going to have a lot of great stuff to say. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week. Um, do you have any, <laughs> anything else to say about 42, Harry? Uh, we should probably talk about... Pardon me. We should probably talk about um, that this is Chris Chibnall, who, whether you like it or not, is the current showrunner of Doctor Who. And we're not going to Chibnall hate or whatever, but I just want to know how you feel about this, then, in comparison to what he's doing with the show now.
0: It's... I've kind of already said this, but it reminds me much more of his writing on Torchwood at the time, which obviously makes sense, uh, than it does of what he's currently doing with Doctor Who. I feel like it's a very different beast, what he's doing here in 42, to what he's doing um, now. Yeah. And I'm kind of, it's almost like, I mean, obviously, you know, it's been over 10 years since. So I guess it makes sense that there'd be some sort of progression. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think this compared to Series 11 is exactly
1: 10 years, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I want to say. I keep getting things on Facebook. It's like 10 years since this. Yeah, it's 10 years because Bremer well, yeah. did a thing on Instagram saying 10 years ago today I was Martha Jones, or whatever. So it's 10 years of 2021. So 2011. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so. It's not
1: 2011. That doesn't make I mean, sense. I, what? No. 15. 15 years ago. No. What?
0: How many years ago Series 3? It, series three, 3 was 2007. Series 11 was 2017.
1: Uh, okay, yeah. Well, I know that it is a recent anniversary of Series 3, but... So what? I can't remember. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. I guess in those 10 years, uh, you know, continuing with bro- uh, Torchwood going on to do... Uh, Broadchurch and other shows I guess kind of just like the sensibilities and values of Chibnall as a writer really changed Mm. and because it's to me current Doctor Who compared to 42 here the writing feels almost unrecognisable and I don't know if that's maybe that's something more to do with the larger production side and the way things are filmed and paced and whatever or what Yeah, because obviously uh, Chibnall episodes are significantly longer than uh Russell era episodes, aren't they? Like, uh,
1: can't yeah, be. yeah, not by long though, but yeah they tend to be, yeah. I feel I mean, like it's, it's a
0: weird comparison.
1: Yeah, I feel like when the, the, the when we get into that era there will be more discussions about writing, but I think it's pretty standard to say that there is usually very little to comment on that isn't positive about Russell T. Davis's writing. <laughs>
0: I yeah I've I've made my case about Russell more times <laughs> than is probably necessary. I'm a big fan of Russell. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, anything else, Harry? Anything else about Fox Two?
0: Just a general note. Kind of the thing that kind of strikes me the most is how hot it feels. Yeah, like the lighting in it, it, I find really effective. Like it feels really warm. It's Like, ugh, I'm glad I'm not there.
1: And you can see all the sweat on the actor. I imagine it wasn't realistically that hot, but with the lights, it will be hot in you know on a film set anyway, but obviously not as hot as it's um, being made out. I'm just heading over to our Instagram now. You can give us a follow on Instagram. Uh, go to Instagram.com, forward slash bigger on the pod. I did put up a thing earlier to see what people thought of 42. And... Oh, <laughs> I hadn't checked this uh, before, but the first, the first quote I see is from Harry. And it just says, burn with me in big capital letters. Did you feel like that was maybe a slightly forced um, catchphrase that we're trying to put on? Before before we get to that, uh, one last one from Jordan, who says, I think this is one of the few Chris Chibnall episodes that are actually any good. So um, I'm sure Jordan will have a lot to say when we get to his tenure. Uh, But yeah, sorry, go back to burn with me. Do you think that was a bit of a forced catchphrase sort of thing?
0: Um, no more so than Are You My Mummy?
1: Yeah. I feel like they did Are You like, My Mummy. Like... like, what's the next thing going to be? But it wasn't until I watched this episode today that I went, oh, yeah, they say burn with me in this episode. Whereas Are You My Mummy? I, I, I didn't need to be re-reminded of that.
0: To be fair, burn with me is, like, the one thing that really sh- I remembered in this story from my childhood <laughs> Really? And now, now I think about it. Now, even now, I've made the child comparison. There's a lot to compare. There, you know, it's like like a person. You know, person in a mask, person in a helmet, yeah. possessed by kind of a thing, a glowy thing. Okay, I wonder if we're now at a there. point
1: where we might start seeing reoccurring storylines or reoccurring motifs and similarities because we're. We're halfway through... Well, we're over halfway through Tenant's era as the Doctor. and we're about halfway. I'd say we're just over halfway. We don't know how many specials there are. And yeah. which means we're nearing the end of RTD's era we're going to be entering Stephen Moffat's era very soon. So we're getting to a point now where writers are starting to return and monsters and themes are starting to return. So it would be interesting to maybe keep a track and go, oh, that's very much like 42 or that's much like Blink or, you know, whatever, just to see what keeps appearing. Yeah, well,
0: well- I mean, this definitely certainly isn't the first kind of similarity comparison we've had in this series. Like, I said Shakespeare Code feels very much of the same vein as The Unquiet Dead. I feel like That's those true, two yeah. are very much in the same realms.
1: Yeah. Um, what did you think to so the scary woman who is hanging out with Martha's mum without, without talking about stuff we, we shouldn't yet know? Um just from the information we've been presented with, what does how do you feel about that? I really like it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. That's a cool, very intriguing element of the show. I know it kind of reminds me of stuff how kind of I like kind of the prominence of this recurring arching story. It's similar to stuff that kind of Moffat does later on with like the crack and mm-hmm. missy of kind of like this underlying mystery that kind of you get a scene or two dedicated to it each episode and it's just like hmm, there's kind of this undertone to yeah. everything that's going on even when there's a happy ending you're a little bit what was that? <laughs> who, who, who is this Harold Saxon?
1: Yeah, it fella? keeps you coming back doesn't it? I like stuff like that because I feel it is rewarding for those who watch the show um, weekly and who engage with it and engage with the content of it and it's also obviously there is like a, a Sort of a tease for others to go look what you could miss out on if you don't tune back in next week.
0: I want to ask um, because it's kind of new who very much has had two ways of handling kind of like these recurring motifs and mysteries in series. There's stuff like this and say like the crack in series five, where it's a very prominent part of the story and it's very impossible to ignore. And then there's more subtle ones such as Bad Wolf and Like a Hybrid. Do you have a preference over
1: those? Um, I like Bad Wolf, and I like the Mister. I like Vote Saxon. I, what the one that really stood out to me that I didn't particularly like was Missy's first series, where everybody would appear in heaven. and they'd be like, "Who's this woman?" And every and everybody would go, "Well, it's the Master, but she's had a you know, she's now a woman." People, I feel like. Uh, I listened to a podcast with Russell, and he said that he spoke to Stephen Moffat, and he said he can't believe that people are yet to figure out that Doctor Who only has two reoccurring surprises, which is that the Doctor regenerates and the Master appears. They're the two things. And I feel it needs more now. Um I feel like it needed more maybe about five years ago when Peter Capaldi was in it. I feel like if they went, actually, it's the Rani or something like that, it would have been much more yeah. exciting. I feel like it needs to do more stuff like that because whenever there is a tease of who is this character, you go, you go through the list, you have a go. It's either a master, a time lord we don't know, a future version of the Doctor, a past version of the Doctor, or a relative of the Doctor.
0: Also, <laughs> well, just something in general, with Gallifrey, as well. Yeah.
1: So, um, so I do prefer it when it's hidden. Like we didn't know what Bad Wolf was. And we didn't know who what vote Saxon meant. We didn't know who Mr. Saxon was, because we hadn't even seen it. We've never even seen him. Um, so I do prefer it like that. But uh, uh, you... in
0: a, in a, before this episode, we had that next time clip compilation, and there was one shot of a guy. <laughs> I mean, we weren't told who the guy was, but we saw him. We saw we saw John Sim playing someone.
1: That's true. That's true. And I'm am trying to remember if I knew at the time if it was going to be the master. Um,
0: the only people who picked up on that would have like seen him and who would watch Life on Mars and like, wait, is that the guy from Life on Mars? Is he yeah. in an episode?
1: Yeah. It's a god awful small affair, but I'm gonna do, do the, the, the quiz. Do the, the,
0: the, the, the quiz, Mars, Harry. Yeah. You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. <laughs> I wanted to just sing David Bowie.
1: <laughs> love, I love David Bowie. Before we go to the quiz, are you a, are you a Bowie fan?
0: Um, I honestly need to listen to much more Bowie. I only really know like the big hits like yeah. Starman and Life on Mars, both of which are songs I adore. And yeah. you know others like Changes. I need to listen to more of his full discography.
1: Yeah. Um, question number one, Harry. Um, what area number did one of the crew? What at the start of the episode when the Doctor opens that big red door and the place goes into lockdown? What area number did the crew announce that they were almost trapped inside of? Is it uh, uh forty
0: two?
1: Twenty five, Harry. Twenty five. <laughs> Good guess though. Good well, guess. you know, I
0: was wasn't far off.
1: <laughs> um. How
0: many Password Protected uh,
1: Doors were there?
0: Are there, uh, 42? <laughs> 29. <laughs> this one... Is I was amazing. even closer that time.
1: Who had more number ones, Elvis or the Beatles?
0: Is it, uh... <laughs> uh for Elvis.
1: It is Elvis. Well done. One point, as always. I don't think we've ever done more than two for you. Ahem. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. Two, one point there. Uh, got any stuff you want to recommend before I go? I just want to tell you you were
0: fantastic. Although, fun fact, if you if you look back at all the correct answers I've had over the whole series, um <laughs> you'll find that the total is 42.
1: Ah, so everyone's got to go back well, and look. I hope
0: that's right. Everyone's <laughs> got to look back. Someone someone might count it up. Not so me. Someone we'll try to work
1: out we'll to work I out. Anything to recommend, Harry?
0: <laughs> Ooh, do I have anything to recommend? Do you
1: want me to go first while you think about sure it? Of... Yes, please,
0: yes. Thank you. I, okay, do, so, have
1: I do have um, I have a last week or the week before I said that I was listening to all of Oasis's discography. And I have nearly finished. And what I did the other night was I went onto Netflix. And I was just browsing. It came up as a suggested thing, which is Supersonic, the Oasis ah, yes. documentary. Now... Stuff like is that, that the one
0: that interviews both Noel and Liam separately?
1: Yeah, you never see any of them being interviewed yeah. on screen. It's just their voice. But it is really, really good, and it's really well done. And you do think because you're not going to see any of the band, they won't be very interesting. But with a lot of the archive footage and graphics and stuff like that, it is, it is a really good watch. It is really revealing as well into sort of an era where we were alive but did, didn't really know what was going on like that oasis broke up in 2008 and in 2008 i was watching doctor who <laughs> i wasn't listening to oasis stuff so that just never i think i feel our generation do feel slightly deprived that we were sort of on earth the same time as oasis but we were like five years too young for it it's
0: fine my family have made a real effort you know like you're either a blur family or you're an oasis family and my family very much an oasis family my brother has um definitely maybe and um uh what's the story morning glory on yeah. vinyl yeah. Um, we listen to those frequently oasis i've i've watched supersonic as well and it's really interesting yeah. um it was a little before i actually probably got into their music so it kind of you know they're a bit. <laughs> <laughs> the Gallaghers, you know. I'd also recommend... damn, are they good musicians?
1: Yeah. I'd also recommend Liam Gallagher's documentary as well, as it was, which was available until recently on BBC iPlayer in the UK. I think you can pick the DVD up for like a couple of quid now. But um, I definitely, that's almost like his return to solo music and sort of how he's, you know, how when Oasis left, what he did. And it's very good if you're looking for a glimpse into how... Fame can sort of very quickly turn, uh, turn you, up, tear you up, and sort of that stuff. Harry, any recommendations from yourself?
0: I do, I do. Um, have you ever watched Lego Masters?
1: I've seen bits of it. I've seen bits of it.
0: Lego Masters is uh, in the UK is a show on Channel Four, which is basically Bake Off but with Lego, aka <laughs> Bake Off but even better because every week you get these ju- teams of two creating insane things with Lego that I really want to play with. And they look so good. Like listen, the best thing about Bake Off watching it on TV is like the visuals, like this, you know, the big showstoppers, because like they look so cool here. It's all about that, but it's with Lego. So it's colorful and elaborate and playful. And... So Lego Masters UK is one thing. But currently on E4 is Lego Masters USA. Is
1: that with which, um, Will Arnett?
0: That's right, Will Arnett. You know, doing his goofy Will Arnett thing, and like, you know, you know every like UK version of a show. Like, compare like, um, you know, um, what's the Gordon Ramsay show called? Kitchen Nightmares. Yeah. You no, no, Kitchen Nightmares. Oh, okay. Yeah, like Kitchen Nightmares. Uh, UK to Kitchen Nightmares USA, and everything is just like ramped up to like eleven, and so like they make the Lego builds even more insane. The cat, the contestants are even more insane. Like the production value, like they have like these Lego movie style vignettes where like they animate the builds that they make in like the Lego movie style, and like it, it's, it's mental. It's Who hosts mental. the British Host, Lego? And I love it. Uh, I think I can't remember.
1: Is uh, it Melvin or Doom?
0: It is Melvin. It's Melvin. Yeah,
1: yeah that's I, right. I thought I knew it was Melvin or Doom or Steve Mang, Steve, M- Steve Mangan.
0: It might be both of them. I think there are two hosts. I can't remember. Ah, okay,
1: nice. I'll definitely give that a watch. That's you all. You don't really
0: watch. For the, you don't watch for the hosts. It's <laughs> you watch for the crazy Lego. But I, me, and my brother especially. uh... Love Lego.
1: I love Lego. Spent too much money on Lego in my Lego. early teens. <laughs> <scenes>. um, <laughs> um, and that's, not, I imagine that's available to watch on all four.
0: All four on all four. I don't know if you can watch previous series of Lego Masters on all four. I'd be surprised if you couldn't. Any Lego Masters, any type of Lego Masters you can get your hands on, <laughs> watch it. I, <laughs> I'm like, that's what I'm going to watch after this. After we stop recording, I'm going <laughs> to... Do know what? I so might an do the same. Tonight.
1: I've gotta have my teeth, so I'll probably yeah, uh, I'll probably go. Got, watch that.
0: There's like the third episode is tonight, so you should be able to watch the first two as well. Which you should do 'cause how long? Great. An uh an hour. Ah. Well, forty minutes if you count the ads. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to our us talking about forty two guys. It's been a slightly different watch long, I'm sure. Next week, when we talk about uh, Human Nature, Family Blood, which I am beyond excited about to rewatch, watch um, we will have lots and lots and lots of exciting things to say about the amazing writer that is, Paul Cornell. Um, so, do come back next week, and uh, I will now say goodbye. Ta-ra, everybody. How are we? Do you want to say anything?
0: Zippity-doo-dah. zippity Zip-a-dee goodbye (laughs) (laughs) make sure you subscribe to the official bigger on the inside podcast